Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, we started reading this last week, and, um, and it's hard to know where to begin in, in, a, in a piece of the Bible because you can sort of start, well, it sort of all relates to itself. But um, let's begin from verse 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, and, and I'm going to read um, probably till 13, right? Maybe 14 included, right? Well, we'll just see when we stop. It says this, we are all one body. We have the same spirit, which is the spirit of Christ Jesus that raises us from the dead, right? We have all been called into the same glorious future. We have the same future hope that we're focused on. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and there's only one God and one Father who was over us all and in us all and who, who is living through us all. Right, so there's this. You got to understand this idea that there's this, there's this one thing that God's doing. There's this is one glorious plan, you know. I, so you remember this sermon fits into what we're talking about. Of our Christianity's got to be real. You know, I don't know. I don't know about you in your life, but in my life, you know, being a husband and a father and, and having a job to do, it's not suitable. It's not sufficient for me to have sort of a phony Christianity. Yeah, uh, you know, just just uh, you know, like a, like a, a Facebook memes level Christianity. It's got to be real things that God's doing in my life. I, I don't know about you, but my sins are such because my sins are real. I need a forgiveness that's real. If I had imaginary sins, sort of an imaginary, you know, a, a forgiveness would suffice. If, if my sin was theoretical, a theoretical forgiveness would be enough. But because my sins are real and I feel them and I experience them, I need a forgiveness that's real and experiential. I, I love the fact that when I come and worship God, I'm not worshiping theoretically the possibility of a real God. I'm worshiping a God in His presence, a real God who makes and is making and will continue to to make a transformative difference in my life, right? There's just this one God. You might have your approach to God, and I might have my approach to God. Equipus Church has a way of talking about God that's sort of reflected by other sort of Pentecostal churches in New Zealand, and it's sort of similar to the mainline churches in New Zealand. But however different we might appear to any other church, we're still worshiping this one God, Jesus, this one Savior. We all are filled with this one Spirit, right? There's this one thing that God is doing in the earth that's making a difference in the world. There's this one Father, right? There's this one thing that unites us, right? And it goes on, the Scripture says, however, right? Even say however. however. Um, we have all been given, each one of us, a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. How generous is Christ? He's generous, right? We've all been given this one gift according to the generosity of Christ. Um, moving on, that is why the Scriptures say, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives, and He gave gifts to people. Notice that it says ascended. This is also means that He descended and came down to live with us. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that all rule might fill the entire universe. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, Sorry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And until we come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God, Son, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. 
then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made life sound like the, a lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth and love, becoming more and more and in every way like Christ, who was the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own work, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do you know, in Mark chapter 6, uh, we read the story this morning. Uh, you didn't read it this morning. I read it this morning. Uh, I read the story, the story this morning of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, Jesus goes to this deserted place and a massive crowd gathers. And I don't know if you've read, read the story, but this massive crowd gathers. And, and then Jesus does this miracle. He takes a small amount of food. Uh, it says, you know, uh, a few fish and a, a few loaves of bread. And Jesus breaks the fish. He breaks the food up and distributes it out. The disciples hand it out and they feed. The small, the small meal, one person's meal, uh, feeds 5,000 men and their families. So conservatively, 20,000 people, 15,000 people, who knows how many people were there. But 5,000 families are fed from this one meal. It's an awesome miracle, right? How many people reckon that'd be quite a good miracle? Especially like, you know, like on fish and chip night, that'd be quite a good miracle. Just go to the shop, just get one fish and one chips, and then just, just keep passing it around, and we can all just eat fish and chips until uh, we're rolling out of the house, right? That'd be an awesome miracle, right? It'd be awesome to have a miracle like that, uh, like where, where, where something small becomes something big, you know, like where, like where uh, you know, like a, a C could turn into an A. Those miracles would be really beneficial, wouldn't it? You know, or, or your salary could turn into a salary that would feed 5,000 families. Uh, you know, a multiplication like that would be awesome, wouldn't it? A multiplication where things expand, where things become uh, uh, just overflow and, and an abundant, you know. We live our life so often in a scarcity space. You know, it's, it's probably an affliction of the Western world that, that um, in the Western world, however you define it, the developed world, we have the most, but we feel the most insecure about how much we have. Uh, whereas in, in, in undeveloped countries where people have less, their securities are not so much in what they have or haven't got. They have to find security in other spaces. Um, you know, it's interesting that we feel so worried about money in an environment where most of the time our needs are well met, right? We, but we have a scarcity mentality. I don't know. Most people I talk to don't have enough time. How are you going? I'm going well. How's things at work? Oh, so busy. I've never met anyone once where I've said, how are things going at work? And they say, you know, actually, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. I've been employed to do this job. I can handle it. Most people throw their hands in the air and go, oh, I'm so busy. Well, you know, if actually you were that useless, they wouldn't have employed you. Probably you've actually got it nailed. If not, they'll fire you. You can get a job that's a bit easier, right? But the reality is probably you need to abandon your scarcity mentality that says, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources because I think that scarcity mentality flies in the face of the miracle that Jesus did. A few chapters after that in Mark, <clears throat> Jesus and his disciples are getting into a boat, right? They're getting into, everyone say, getting into a boat. And they're going across to the other side. And Jesus says this thing. He says this real, this real mystical thing. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And leaven is like yeast, makes the bread rise. And, and he, what Jesus was referring to was, you've got to be aware, you know, a conversation he had with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's saying, you know, you've got to be aware of that wrong thinking that creeps into all of your thinking and, sh and messes things up, right? 
And that's why I think scarcity is like that. There's a scarcity mentality creeps into everything you're doing and messes things up. Uh, a religious mentality will, will grow into everything you're doing and will, will, you, what you'll do is you'll separate your life. All of your conversations with church people will look different to your conversations with non-church people. You can't have the conversation in the church foyer. The same conversation in the, in the staff room wouldn't work, right? That's because you have a religious mentality and it's infecting everything you do, right? You have to beware the leaven of the Pharisees. It says, leaven of the Pharisees also says, the sinners are out there. You know, well, the reality is the sinners are in here, right? <laughs> We're the sinners, right? Who's the worst people in Wellington? Well, the people in Wellington are the worst people in Wellington. Who are people in Wellington? I am. We are, among, we are the sinners in Wellington as well as the saints in Wellington. That's the whole, pa- whole pattern of Scripture, the wheat and the tares, right? But we've got to be aware thinking. We've got to be aware, be aware of, be wary of, be, be careful about thinking that it creeps into our mindsets, right? That's what Jesus was talking about. And the disciples, they hear Jesus say, beware of the living of the Pharisees. And their mind straight away goes, oh, did we bring enough bread? Have we brought enough bread? They think that Jesus is like being passive-aggressive leader type, and he's just saying, I'll be aware of the living of the Pharisees as a way of pointing out to them that, again, they've got the logistics wrong. They haven't packed enough lunch for the trip across the lake, right? And they all start debating against, among each other about whose job it was, you know, whose KPI was it to deliver bread to the boat? Uh, you know, who's, on whose performance standards is it to have the, enough lunch there, right? And then Jesus is like, oh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What happened when uh, there were 5,000 people and a little bit of lunch? What happened? And they said, we fed 5,000 people with just a little bit of lunch. And Jesus said, how many baskets were left over? And they said, there's 12 baskets. Then he asked them about another time because he did the same miracle a couple of times. What about when we, read the seven, we fed the 7,000? And they say, how many baskets left over? And they say, oh, t- t- whatever there was. I can't remember. There's oh, baskets left over, right? How much is left over after God does a miracle? And we're worried about, oh, have we got enough bread? Now, the re- here's the reality. Here's the reality of what I want us to think about. Is where in your life is your scarcity mentality? Whereabouts is it robbing you? Because wherever it's robbing you, instead of having the baskets over- overflowing, you don't have a baskets overflowing life. You have just enough to get by. Right? If we go back to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, there's, there's just this one lunch. And really in your life, you have to choose, am I going to live life for one lunch or am I going to live life for baskets overflowing? Am I going to live my life about, about one lunch? What could one lunch be? I've just, I'm only in Wellington to, to get my degree. I'm really just in Wellington to get my degree. Equippers Church is really nice, but I'm only in Wellington to get my degree. Uh, Pastor Jordan keeps talking about serving, but I'm really just in Wellington to just get my degree. Pastor Jordan talks about maybe getting baptized, or uh, Pastor Jordan talks about maybe going on a mission trip, or Pastor Jordan talks about being involved in a life, a small group. We call them e-groups. Or Pastor Jordan talks about getting here early at 6 o'clock to set up. Or Pastor Jordan talks about reaching out to my other classmates. But I'm just in Wellington for my degree. I'm just here for my lunch. What about your family? Well, family is the most important thing. How many people know that? It doesn't really say that in the Bible. In the Bible, it says that God's the most important thing. In the Bible, it doesn't say that family is the most important thing. It says that God's the most important thing, and the next most important thing is the church, right? How many people know that family is important? It's not the most important thing, though, right? God's the most important thing, the call of God in life, right? 
But what, what happens is when people get married, even if they're people who are passionate about serving with God, my observation is that a scarcity mentality can turn that marriage relationship in on itself. We're here to have a great marriage. We're just here to build a great marriage. Now, do you, know, do you know what? The Bible does say that you are here to build a great marriage. And you're not going to find anyone in the world preaching about the fact that you shouldn't be building a great marriage. But the question is, do you want to have just a great marriage, your little great marriage? Or do you want to have a baskets overflowing type of marriage? Do you want to have just your great marriage? Or do you want to have a baskets full of type of marriage, right? See, Dougal and Rachel, they have a great marriage. I only observe it from the outside, but they have a marriage, right? They've been married a long time, right? Now, every year or so, they run a course where for about 12 other couples, 10 other couples come together and Dougal and Rachel talk from both the professional, their personal thing, from Scripture, the truth of God's Word, and they teach us all about having a great marriage. But what if they don't have enough time to do that? What if they've only got time to build a great marriage, then they don't get to have baskets full of great marriages. But do you know what Wellington needs? Wellington needs baskets full of great marriage. Wellington doesn't just need your great marriage. Wellington doesn't just need your degree. Wellington needs people who are doing degree, a degree, but also reaching out to other students and seeing salvation and revival impact that environment. Do you know your workplace, your workplace, it does need a great employer, employee. You know, we do need Duncan to be a great programmer. Duncan could be a great programmer and just focus on, well, I'm just here to be a great programmer in my workplace and do a good job and honor God by being a great programmer, right? Now, we have to just say programmer because we don't know actually what that means, right? It's a job that Duncan does, and it makes things happen in the interweb. But see, Duncan's not doing that. He's not just being a great programmer. He's also here early setting up, and, and that's a, a real sacrifice. He leads worship, or he'll do sound. Uh, next Friday, he's taking the day off work to, to set up at Man Up, right? But also at his workplace, he started a prayer meeting for him and one other, him and all the other Christians in the organization. And to start with, it's him and one other guy. And what are they doing? They're praying. What are they? What do they want? They don't want to just be their little their little self. They don't want to just eat their Christian lunch in their workplace. They want to see a baskets overflowing, a twelve baskets full type of uh, reaction happen in their workplace. This is what Ephesians chapter four is about. The body of Christ at work in the world is just like this feeding of the 5,000. And it starts with this one God and this one gift. There's this one God, there's one powerful God. He's got this one great plan and he's given each and every one of us, according to the generosity of Christ, he's given us a gift. You might not think you're particularly gifted, but you have at least one thing to do. You have at least one thing to offer. I don't know, have you ever been to like a, um, a birthday party and you have a, you have a gift, you know, you're a little kid's, a kid's birthday party and I didn't get invited to many, but I've seen my kids go to them and you have your gift and it's all wrapped up. The gift's there, it's all wrapped up and, and, and the little kid goes to the party like a four-year-old or five-year-old and they've got the gift and the kid knows, the kid who's given the gift knows what's in it if they can remember and uh, there's the gift and they're holding the gift. And uh, sometimes if you see a kid giving a gift, it's like this. because they know what's in it. They're like, oh, it's actually, they chose it, and they chose it because it's something that they liked. Uh, and, and they've got this gift, and they're like, oh. And you can see all the other kids are giving the gift to the, you know, the birthday person, and who probably doesn't deserve it. Uh, you know, they've got all the other, birthday person's got all the other gifts in there, and they've got this one gift, and here you go, Johnny, here's your birthday present. And 
and it stops there. Here's the, th- here's the, <laughs> I, I bought some, I bought some, when I gave, I bought Pastor Barrett some, I uh, bought Pastor Barrett a gift once, he comes to minister, I thought, oh, I'm just going to bless him, so I bought some um, iTunes vouchers. I know, I wrote a card, encouraging words, not with my left hand, I wrote a card, some encouraging words, you know, and oh, you're so awesome, it's such a blessing, and you know, thanks so much for taking the time out to be with us, and righty, righty, right, Christian Jag, Christian Jag, and kiss hug, kiss hug, and I put it in the the, uh, envelope with the thing, and then um, about a few years later, I found that card again uh, in the house, oh, Flo, I should get that to Pastor Barrett, but it's now, but sort of, the time had elapsed, seriously, time had elapsed to the point where, now, who wants iTunes vouchers now because we've all got Spotify? Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 I had this gift, but it never was a gift. It was just a thing. It turned out to be just a thing. See, I wonder what gift you have. I wonder what gift you have that's in an envelope. I wonder, I wonder what gift you have because until you give it, you know what it is? It's just a thing. It's not a gift. I've got a gift of encouragement. You might find this hard to believe if I've mocked you in the foyer or from the pulpit, uh, but I have a gift of encouragement. But do you know what? If I keep my mouth closed in difficult moments, if I don't say, hey, Alice, that was great this, this morning, what you did. I, I heard that you did great things this morning. I'm making this up, but I imagine you did. I've already heard from Quentin that Johnny preached a great sermon this morning, right? But as soon as I, if I don't say to Johnny, hey, that was great what you did this morning, I listened to it or whatever, then if I don't give the gift, do I have a gift of encouragement or not? I actually don't. I don't have a gift. If my gift is not expressed, the gift doesn't exist. It actually, I have this potential gift. I have this, this maybe thing. I have a gift of encouragement where I could encourage you, and you know what? You could go tomorrow and be encouraging. Even if, even if you weren't thinking, well, I feel encouraged by Pastor Jordan, so I'm going to go and be encouraging. Uh, even if you don't think like that, the nature of gifts is such that it multiplies. Right? That's the nature of gifts. So the real question is, if the Scripture is correct, that according to the generosity of Christ, He gives gifts to each of His people, the question's got to be, what's the gift? Rewind back to Mark chapter 6. I'm sorry to jump backwards and forwards from these scriptures, but I'm trying to look at them, put them together. When did the miracle take place? When did, this, when did the 12 basketfuls become a possibility? Well, Jesus was there all along. Jesus was there all along. Jesus, Jesus was there all along. It wasn't Jesus who made the miracle a possibility. Jesus was there all along. The disciples were there all along. The 12 apostles were there all along. It wasn't the apostles, the leaders of this Christian movement. It wasn't them that made the miracle possible. What makes the miracle possible is that when when they went looking, a small boy was prepared to give his lunch. And when we think about Wellington, when I think about Wellington, you know, it's not, it's not me that makes the miracle happen. It's not Jesus that makes the miracle happen. It's when I, it's not me, the pastor. Get you know what I mean? It's not me, the pastor. It's me, the small boy. The miracle isn't the, isn't the, the, the disciples took charge and handed out the bread and fish. That's not the miracle. The miracle is that there's someone in a crowd of, 
5,000 men. There's, a, there's the least qualified person, a boy, who's prepared to give his lunch, which was the least lunch. There was other food there. There was other possibilities there. But someone said, I'm going to bring this gift that I've got, and I'm going to give it. Uh, did he know what God would do with it? Did he think, oh, I know, I know how this works. There's a big crowd. He's sitting there with his lunch. He's a big crowd of people. I can see the world needs electric guitarists. The world needs aggressive guitar music. I actually believe this is true. The world needs aggressive guitar music. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the guitar in church and change the world. Did the little boy look at his lunch and say, oh, I've got, these, I've got some friends, and I would divide it out with Jesus, and give it to Jesus, and Jesus will give it to the disciples, and I'll bring it up, and they'll hand it all around, and at the end, there'll be 12 basketfuls. Baskets full. Basketfuls. Baskets full. Do you know, um, there's two times God's spoken to me really clearly. One was when God, 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 um, God spoke to us about coming to Wellington to lead the church here. God spoke really clearly. The other time was when God told me to go to Bible college. Not Bible college, teacher's college. Same sort of thing, but less Bibles, right? Still a college, right? So when I went to teacher's college, God spoke to me really clearly about going. And then, so God said, go to teacher's college. And so I sat down because I'm a little boy and I made a plan. Oh, I'm going to go to teacher's college. And I'm going to be a really good classroom teacher. I'm going to be so awesome that I get promoted. And one day I'm going to be a school principal, right? And then I'm going to change the world like that. Much like Alice's dad has done, influencing whole communities as a school principal. That's what people like Alice's dad were actually people that I looked up to when I first started at Teachers College. I'm going to be a Christian principal, serving in a community and making a real difference, right? And then after I've been teaching for four years, the opportunity came up to lead the Bible College. And I ended up back in Auckland from London, back to Auckland leading Equippers College. And I did that for a while. And after the first year, the youth pastor, so I was doing the, the Equippers College, and then the youth pastor in Equippers Auckland uh, uh, left her job. And so Pastor Sam said, could you look after the youth ministry until we find someone good enough? And I was like, okay, I can do it until you find someone who can do it, right? And so then for seven years, I led the youth ministry. And the youth job got bigger and bigger. And then I ended up just teaching in the Bible College sort of part-time, which I still do and doing that this coming week, which is going to be exciting. But um, so I ended up... I ended up after a few years doing youth, and there was this moment where I was leading the youth group, and my teacher registration ran out. And I was like, oh, it was like a bit of a moment where I was like, oh, man, flip. I trained for <laughs> three years for a job that I did for four years, uh, and now my teacher registration is running out. If I don't get a job, even part-time teaching now, whenever I go back teaching, I'm going to have to re-register, which I don't know how hard it is, but you have to fill in a form. Uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to fill in a form. If this lapses, I'll have to fill in a form, right? Um, which is sort of like, you know, it's like the real uh, crossing the whatever that river is. Crossing the, no, no, no. Caesar crossed the, come on, classical history. People, people, people. He didn't cross the river Styx. That's to the underworld. Caesar never died. Caesar was a historical figure rather than a, no. The Thames. Did someone say, who said the Thames? Uh, the, oh, yeah, now you're playing games with me. Crossing the... Hey, yeah, it was a river in Northern. Okay, it was a moment where it's like, there's no going back. Once I cross this, there's no going back. That's the whole point of Caesar crossing the river that's unnamed now in history. Um, uh, there's no going back. And it was this moment where I suddenly realized that I'm, I'm in the weirdo Christian group that I never wanted to be in. 
I'm in full-time ministry. I wanted to be a proper person, uh, teaching in school and changing the community. Still a Christian, but I didn't want to be one of the weird Christians who just lives at church, you know, and jumps up and down and says, hallelujah, um, but doesn't have their feet on the ground in the real world, right? And I was leading the youth ministry. It's like, oh, man, I wanted to change communities. I wanted to impact people's lives over the long term. And I remember being at youth one time and looking around. There's 150 teenagers in the room. And I was looking around the room, and there was kids there from 15, I think, different schools somehow. 15 different high schools all around the country. Then I remembered, oh, I lead this thing. I happened to be leading this thing called the Revolution Tour. And that year, we'd just done programs in 120 high schools. It was the first time we'd, we'd broken 100. It was like, we'd just, it was like, that was in May, and this was like June-ish. We, and I was like, oh, wow. And, and God just spoke, I suddenly realized that God spoke to me about going to Teachers College. And, and I went to Teachers College, and I went there with a, if, I'd had main, if I had maintained my scarcity mentality that says, I'm just going going to eat the lunch God's given me, which is called Teachers College and Teaching, right? I'll just be a classroom teacher now, but God, God, when I, when I offered it up and said, okay, I'm going to put my career on hold, I thought at the time, I'm going to put my career on hold, and I'm going to do this thing that, that Pastor Sam said, hey, can you look after the Bible College? Can you look after youth? And then just by adopting an attitude, <clears throat> and for Chrissy and I, Building a lifestyle that says, okay, I've got a gift and I'm going to keep giving it. I've got a gift and I'm going to keep giving it. I'm going to keep reaching out with what God's put inside of me. I suddenly, instead of being the principal of a school, I became a person of influence in 15 high schools and a person of minor influence in 120 high schools. Across the life of the Revolution Tour, we've seen in excess of 50,000 responses to the gospel. I don't, I don't know what God would have done if I had just been in a primary school. But if it was God's plan, it would have been the ultimate thing, right? But God's plan is this bigger thing. But we never step into the bigger thing if we maintain our scarcity mentality. Our scarcity mentality can look like just about anything. But it's when you, it's when you put a boundary around something that you then define as yours. My career, my degree, it's not your degree, it's not your career, because it's not your body. It's not your life. We surrender ourselves to Jesus, right? And then we say, I've got this thing to offer. How do you want me to offer it? How do you want? Okay, I've got this gift to offer. And how I'm going to offer my gift now is I'm going to be the greatest university student Victoria University's ever seen. Or at least I'm going to pass most things, right? I'm going to have the best attitude. I'm going to smile at least, right? And I'm going to bring it, right? When you bring your gift the way that Justin plays the guitar, right? The way that Wakash plays the keyboard, the way that Dougal sets up the stage and orders the chairs, when you bring your gift with that attitude, then God can multiply it, right? When you're just going through, I'm going to, oh, I've got my life and how oh, I'm so busy and I'm under so much pressure. And I'm not suggesting that you're not busy or under pressure, but when you look at life through that lens, you lock it down onto one plate. I've just got one meal. I've got this one little life. But if you say, hey, I've got this one little life that I'm going to offer to Jesus, you can actually find yourself living in a baskets full kind of life. Amen. Uh, one of the dreams I had as a young person was to travel to every country in the world. And one of my disappointments is they don't stamp your passport much nowadays. Um, and I wanted to have a passport that has stamped from every country of the world. That was one of my dreams. I, was, I love geography. I love maps. Not like Pastor Jake. He loves maps. Uh, in a sort of a, um, in an unbalanced sort of a way, um, he can name the capitals, cities of every nation in the world, the longest river, highest mountain, 
the height of those mountains, the length of those rivers, uh, and onwards and onwards and onwards. Uh, he um, probably should have focused on something more useful, but it was his gift, and he's really given it, right? Uh, he has an obsessive knowledge about geographical features around the world, right? But I had this desire to visit every country of the world. I, I have this desire to travel. Maybe it's about being from New Zealand, but it's just one of the things. That, and, 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 you know, uh, when you're... Um, when you're a school teacher or you had a career, we'll save up and we'll go and tra- we'll travel. But you know, I've just seen God turn my little life into something so much bigger because of Ephesians 4 that says, we've got this one gift to offer. I've, got, I've just got this one thing I can be, which is sort of Jordan. And I can be, and I can bring, I can just bring Jordan to church. And I can bring Jordan to my school environment when I was a school teacher. And I can bring Jordan to being a youth pastor, right? And God has given me things that are sort of baskets full kind of experiences, you know? And and, 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 and in October this year, our whole family, Christy and the kids and I, are going to Denmark for three months. And we're going to be traveling. We're going to spend some time in England. We're we're spending time in America on the way. Then we're going to spend time in England and uh, Germany and uh, in Switzerland. And on the way home, we're spending time in Hong Kong. And then we're visiting family in Brisbane. All in this one trip, right? Now, if I had... If I was focusing just on my little life, there's no way I could engineer the opportunity to live in Denmark. I could visit it, but I couldn't live there. And, and people, are, there people there are renting us a house while I teach in the Bible college. And apparently if it gets cold enough, the lake at the Bible college freezes over. And so every afternoon we can go ice skating with all the other people from the, from the neighborhood. Right, that, you don't get to do that as a tourist, right? If I had my little life, I could go and visit places as a tourist, get a stamp on my passport. But God's giving me this overflowing. I'm, I'm just trying to give you testimony out of my own life that, that, that actually, come on, if, if you can just, just break the shackles off your mentality that says, I've just got to do what I can to get by. Understand that in New Zealand, we were pioneers a long time ago, and we had to focus to break the ground and make something happen. And maybe you've come from an immigration background, and your family came here and have worked hard to try and make something happen, right? That's great. That's a great mentality, but it can limit us when we just say, I'm going to offer what I've got, and God's going to turn it into abundance. I'm going to offer what I've got, and God's going to turn it into baskets full. I'm going to offer what I've got, and the Bible says, Ephesians 4, and God's going to fill everything everywhere with his presence. I reckon I can preach a sermon that God could use to fill everything everywhere with his presence. I reckon you can play the guitar in a way that the presence of God can fill everything with his presence. I reckon you can operate in your work environment, leading a prayer meeting or on the campus that fills the place with God's presence. But you can't do that with a, 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 a scarcity mentality, a limiting mentality. And I'm working hard tonight just to say, come on, let's break it off. Let's break off the thing that says, I just need to hold on to my lunch for me. And let's be like the boy in the, in the story that says, I've got something to offer and Jesus can take what we've got and make a difference in the world around us. I wonder what, I wonder what causes you to think scarce. Is it insecurity? Is it things that have happened in your past? Is it other times when you've, when you've tried to step out and do something great for Jesus? And it's not worked out how you intended or what you thought or maybe people mocked it or whatever. And you find yourself holding back. I reckon, I reckon tonight is a night to say, hey, let's pray. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to unlock our hearts so we can go into our Monday and do and be that thing that God's called us to be. Maybe you don't know what it is, you know. Um, you know, the nature of, I reckon the nature of the gifts God gives us 
is that they're wrapped. And I reckon Jesus is tricky like that, that sometimes the gifts are wrapped multiple, multiple wrappings. And you take off one layer and you think, wow, but that's just the next layer of wrapping. There's actually more to it than that. And sometimes we get excited about the wrapping, right? Oh, wow, so-and-so preached great, so-and-so played guitar great, so-and-so so cool in the workplace, so-and-so's great on campus. That's all good wrapping. But the actual gift is this, this, this little piece of God that God wants to release into the world. And, you know, if you're in your 20s, come on, you're, you're, what you need to do is keep bringing what God puts on your heart. Keep stepping out in faith. If you're in your 30s, you've got, you got to maybe start reading some books and find some stuff out. If you're in your 40s, those of us in our 40s, I believe that probably by now you're starting to get an understanding of who God's made you and how you work in the world around you. But come on, most of us are in the place, most of us, and even if you're in your 40s, we're still in the place where our main job is to be the little boy in the story. It's never our job to be Jesus. Sometimes it's our job to be the apostles, but we always, always our job to be the little boy in the story who says, I've got something to offer the world around me. I've got something. I've got something I can give. It's not enough to make a difference, but it's enough for Jesus to begin working. Amen. When you close your eyes and bow your heads, let's pray just before we close our service. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. And God, we just thank you that wherever we go and whatever we do, Lord God, we know, Lord, that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we would ask, think, or imagine. God, you're able to do it because you're at work within us. And Lord, right now, I just pray for everybody in this room. Lord, God, I pray for every single person, Lord God, who feels that pressure of life, the pressure of not enough time, the pressure of not enough money, the pressure of not enough energy, of not enough strength. Lord, right now, God, Lord, we just thank you for all that you can do. We just thank you for the, the, the power of your gifts at work. Lord, we thank you that you're able to do what we can't do. And just while everyone's got their head bowed and eyes closed, musicians, because you're like half the crowd, it would have been better if you'd stayed there because I'm going to, I want, no, 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 don't move back at 10 minutes of creaky floors again. Come back on the, come back on the stage. I just, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads as well because I want you to be able to respond because so often you, you're there at the moment when we pray. And so I should have said, oh, just wait. But then, I, you know, it's like I waited till it was awkward. Now I'm saying it. All right. Just maybe close your eyes and bow your heads as well. And I just want you to be able to respond as well. And everyone, in the, you know, if you're still sitting down, just close your eyes and just, and just have a think. Could it be that you're, you've got a scarcity, there's a scarcity mentality that's grabbed a hold of you? Could it be that actually that maybe it hasn't grabbed a hold of you? Maybe it's part of just growing up in New Zealand that you think, oh man, we've got to really pinch our pennies to make things work. And that mentality might be true in managing money or in certain seasons of your life managing money, but somehow that mentality of we've got to hold things tight can creep into the way you the way you operate in your life, your, your, your freedom to speak about God or your freedom to offer help to people around you. Or maybe you even just want to respond and just think, and think man, I'm holding back. There's something in me that holds back. And, and I just want to suggest to you tonight from Ephesians 4 that God's put a gift inside of you. And the gift is in you, but the gift is not for you. And maybe like that little five-year-old, you, you're just going to have to give Give, give it away, even though it feels like it cost you something, but God gave it to you for the blessing of people around you. So just while everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. or you, you, you can stand up if you want to. I just want us to be in a place where we respond. Just open your hands if you're saying, yeah, there's something in me that's holding back, and I want to be one of those people who, like that little boy, can create space for miracles. So if that's you, jump to your feet, lift your hands, and, and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. 
And Lord, we just thank you that it's your heart to bless. It's your heart to pour out. It's your heart to release your goodness. It's your, it's your plan. It's your purpose. It's the wonder of who you are. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that each and every one of us, you've placed within us miracles. You've placed within us glories. You've placed within us something of yourself, Lord God, that's designed to meet the needs of people around us. And Lord, I pray for all of those responding, Lord God, I pray that where they can recognize the mentality, Lord, I pray, you, Holy Spirit, you begin. I can just see the Holy Spirit just uh, like wiping a whiteboard, just wiping a whiteboard. And it's almost like you've got a, a budget, a life budget, not a money budget, but a life budget about, oh, this is my plan. This is, and I just see the Holy Spirit wiping that whiteboard, not because the plan is wrong, but the plan is not big enough. God's got something so much bigger. And He's not going to tell you the whole story. He's just going to reveal it as you, as you step out, as you reach out, as you give when it's time to give, as you serve when it's time to serve. God's going to release something out of your life, something through your life that makes a difference in the world. Holy Spirit, we just release your anointing. Lord, we actually reach out and ask for it. Would you anoint us, God? Would you anoint us as we bring gifts? Lord, as we reach out, Lord God, we, I pray you for those on campus, Lord God, would your anointing rest upon them, Lord? People who are thinking about their workplace, Lord, would your anointing just rest upon their words, Lord God, that as they speak, Lord, something of your Spirit would bring blessing and hope to people, Lord God, for people in their families and their neighborhoods. Lord, would you, would you rest upon us, Lord God, that we can bring our gift. Lord, that this church would be a place where, where, where we minister to each other with freedom and with generosity. Lord God, and may this city be touched, Lord God, with the, by the generosity of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Could we, could we everyone stand to your feet? We're going to finish with a song of praise in just a second. Um, but I want us to pray. Is that all right? Uh, I just want us to pray. Uh, there, there's a bunch of bunch of people we can pray for, but um, I want us to pray for Quivers Church in Lower Hutt. Uh, Pastor Boone's been pretty unwell. And uh, also I want us to pray for um, uh, Joy. If you don't know Joy, just the, her name is Joy. She's awesome. Uh, she's one of the key, uh, a real significant leader in the church, but she's been in hospital now for a number of weeks. She had a number of sort of emergency surgeries and, um, and, and is on the mend. But I said to Pastor Boone, I said, are we going to keep praying until we know uh, that she's 100% better? Is that all right? So if we could pray for her. Um, and if you have needs as well, um, if that's you, if you have a need, you want someone to pray for you, just give me a wave. Say, yeah, could you pray for me as well? And we'll get someone to pray with you. No one, no one needs anything. It's awesome. Well, we'll pray. Is that all right? Uh, let's stir up our hearts and let's let's pray for joy. Let's pray for equipment and lower heart. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to finish with the praise in a minute. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, that you are able to do I just wanted, I just had this, you know, um, I just had this idea, and um, I, I don't know how brave you are, and I'm just assuming that you're brave because you're at the evening service, but um, I wonder what it would look like for me, what it would, I wonder what it would look like for me in my life, I'm just going to put this out to you as a challenge, what would it look like for me to express the gift of God that's on my life? What does it look like for me to express that gift 
every day. So while my gift's playing the electric guitar, well, no one's gift is playing the electric guitar. Jesus didn't go to heaven to get electric guitars and bring them back to you. But Justin can express his gift, that's enthusiasm maybe, even without the electric guitar. Do you get what I mean? You, you know what I mean, Justin. There's nothing wrong with electric guitars, right? But and it's the same. I'm not going to preach this sermon everywhere I go this week. You won't see me on Lambda Key with a sandwich board shouting at people, right? But what would it look like for me to express the gift that's on my life every day this week? And I'm, I'm challenging you, what does it look like for you to do that? Now, if you if you can think of an idea of what it would look like, then why don't you do it this week and see what happens? What would happen if you did it? What could happen if you did it? Well, who knows? But the reality is our job is just to give the gift. The small boy did that with his lunch. Here you go, Jesus, here's my lunch. That's our responsibility in terms of the revival that's sweeping our nation. Our responsibility is to bring our lunch and give it, right? And what would it look like to do that this week today? Give me a wave if you can think, I've got one idea of what I could do every day or, or, or an attitude I can embrace every day. Anyone can anyone think, I can think of a few things myself, of something that I can grab each day. And if you can't think of anything, that's all right, because each day all you need to do is pray and ask God, what, what, what can I do to express the things that you put in me? Do I need to start conversations with people? Do I, do I need to be more open with workmates? Do I need to ring some old friends? What, where is there somewhere that you can express the gift of God that's on your life? Because what I want for you is 12 basketfuls, a 12 basketfuls kind of life. That's what, I want you to be able to stand up somewhere or chat with someone when you're 40 and say, you know, when I was X, Y, or Z old, I heard a message about living more freely and generously with what was inside me. And now my life has expanded in a way that I never would have imagined, right? That's what we're on. Amen? Very, very cool. Okay. Uh, turn to find, if, if you haven't got a friend here, you're going to have to make a friend real quick. Because what I want us to do is from now till next week, I want us to actually do it. Right? Because we want to be real, right? So I want us to actually do it, right? So you've got 30 seconds now to tell the person next to you if you like them. If you don't want to talk to them, just don't. But if you've got nothing to say, just say, I'm going to be thinking of it. But if you know what it is you're going to do each day to express the gift of God that's on your life, why don't you just tell the person next to you what that is? Is that all right? So you just talk to the person next to you as well. Tell them what it is. You can speak into the microphone. Tell all the team. Hey, that's awesome. Very, very good. You don't have long, so make it a quick conversation. If you haven't got any ideas, just say, I've got no idea. And the other person can pray and believe with you that God has speak to you about what it might be.